The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're back this week, Gene and Tim. We welcome two guests. Dr. Irina Scott, who's been on the Paracast before. She and another person who's been on the show, Philip Mantle, are authors of a new book called Beyond Reasonable Doubt, The Pascagoula Alien Abduction. And this takes us, of course, beyond the original abduction case back in 1973. And we go on to the fact that it wasn't just Calvin Parker and Charles Hickson who had encounters. Other people saw things at the same time. We should remind our listeners that Calvin was on the Paracast a couple of times. Unfortunately, he died after a long illness some weeks back. And I thought he was a gentleman, a real gentleman. We were very happy to have him on the show, and he's certainly going to be missed. Philip, welcome back to the Paracast. And I wanted to ask you, first of all, kind of a little background. How did you happen to get involved in covering a sighting that goes back to 1973? Yeah, good evening, gentlemen, Irina. Yeah, it's a good question. In 2015, I set up my own little publishing concern, just me. And I call Flying Dispress. And the, one of the books that I wanted to, to look at was a reprint of the book that Charles Hickson co-authored with William Mendes back in 1983, UFO Contact at Pascagoula. There were only a few hardback versions flying around online, and they were very expensive. So I, I sought out the copyright owner, and eventually we came to an agreement and so I could republish the book. And I thought at that time, I, I knew Charles Hickson had, had passed away, but I assumed, although I wasn't 100% sure, that Calvin Parker was still alive. And I thought if I could find him, maybe I could get an interview with him to bring things up to date, maybe add that as a, you know, like an extra chapter to, to Charlie's original book. So in... 2017, around that time, I, I set out to try and find Calvin. It took me a while. I uh, eventually got an email for him. Luckily, it still worked. He gave me his telephone number, and I, and I, I called him. And he was very polite, but really didn't want to tell me a lot at that point. So we arranged to speak again. What I didn't know, gentlemen, is that just literally some weeks before I, I contacted Calvin, He'd been to the funeral of a friend. As him and his wife went out, were coming out of the, the funeral home or whatever it was, they signed a book of condolence. Of course he signed it, you know, Calvin Parker. 
And the people behind him saw his, his name and then, you know, the wink, wink, nudge, nudge started. And he at first thought that was very disrespectful because this was his friend's funeral. So as they're going home, Wayne says to him, you know, I've had enough of this. You ought to write your own story up so everybody will know it then. Everybody wants to know what happened. He never told the full story. So he said, yes, darling, of course I will. He had no intention of doing it. I don't know if it was the second or third phone call. He told me this. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll send you a sample contract. You can have a look at it. I said, why haven't you told your story in full? And he told me about all the harassment he'd had with the media and, and that if he spoke to them, they misrepresented what he had to say. Well, I said, well, the only way around that, Kelvin, is to write it yourself. And, and no one can change it. So he agreed to do a book with me on one condition. And that was I wasn't allowed to alter any of the contents of it. Even the, the spelling and the grammar had to be left as it was. And I agreed. Calvin wanted it that way because he wanted people to know who he was, his character, his background. And he felt that was important. So we worked on an outline of the book and we literally started with, uh, you know, the introduction. And it would go backward and forward between us until eventually the whole book was finished. Uh, and it was Pascagoula, the closest encounter, came out in 2018. Uh, and much to our surprise, it, it, it got a, a tremendous reception. That's literally how I got involved with, with Calvin Parker, just looking for an interview. The danger of looking for interviews, right? <laughs> well, yes, yes. I mean, I mean, you know, he said similar things to me as he said to Wayne at the beginning. He said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to write a book. He said, I've already started. So I called his bluff. And I said, well, let me have a look at what you've written. And it was just some notes. It was no attempt to write a book. It just some notes. But eventually, Calvin said, you know, he was glad he'd done it. You know, he wished he'd done it some time ago. But, you know, and I didn't know at that point as well, uh, guys, that Calvin had been seriously ill. A couple of years before that, he'd had a stroke. Uh, he had open heart surgery twice. So maybe, you know, there in the back of his mind was that lingering thought, you know, if I don't do it now, then I never will. And of course, that turned out to be exactly right. And, you know, he, he recognized he'd made the right decision. And the rest, as they say, you know, is history. There was also a sequel to that book. Yes. I mean, when Calvin's book came out, we, we then you know, found out more information about not just him, but Charles Hickson as well. He was, you know, was just as an important part of the story. And we found some new evidence, new new information. For example, Charlie Hickson was uh, under hypnosis twice with the late Bud Hopkins. And I managed to obtain the, the copies of the tapes of those, of those hypnosis sessions. Calvin himself had another encounter in 1993 and with the aid of a friend he literally drove unannounced to a ufo conference in florida where bud hopkins was speaking and went under hypnosis with bud in his hotel room and we managed to obtain a copy of that tape as well so all this was new and so we, we you know we had pascagoula the story continues and um you know, it, it was it just got more and more fascinating as, as as time progressed. Now, of course, I won't get into all of it here, but you know, of course, that doing hypnosis of abductees can be somewhat questionable. Oh, absolutely, 
Absolutely. But, you know, it's evidence in inverted commas. And if we publish it, you know, people will complain. If we don't publish it, then we're hiding something. So it, either way, you can't can't really win. It's, it's, it's a bit like a polygraph test. If you take it and pass, uh, people will say, well, it's not admissible in court. However, if you take it and fail, they'll call you a liar. So, I mean, I asked Calvin about the hypnosis, and I said, was it of any use? And he said, not really. He says it clarified a couple of things, but I remembered most of it anyway. So, you know, uh, t you know, it's there. Like, like our new book, we present what information we've uncovered and allow, you know, the reader to, to come to their own conclusion. There are some that, you know, are, are steadfastly in favour of using regressive hypnosis. I personally have never used it, you know, ap apart from just last year. I, I wasn't there personally, but we'll, we'll come to that, I dare say, at some point. But it's something Calvin, you know, agreed to do. And, you know, we're published. Publish and be damned, gentlemen. Well, the point is the sessions already had occurred, so it's not that you can backtrack. What's done is done. Yeah, absolutely, but but nobody knew about these sessions, um, so we, we we you know we thought we the best thing to do. Um, the, the Bud Hopkins' entire archive is with Dr. David Jacobs, so you know I contacted him, and with Calvin's permission, he released the tapes. Uh, and at that time, these were cassette tapes. When they arrived here at my home, I I had to buy a tape cassette player because <laughs> I didn't have anything to, to listen to them on. There were tapes. Yeah, and, this is the uh, old technology. I <laughs> was placed in a similar situation where I found some old recordings my wife had made. She's a singer. And, of course, I then had to go out and buy a cassette player because it was so long ago and so far away. <laughs> Our guest, Dr. Irina Scott, Philip Mandel. The title of the book is Beyond Reasonable Doubt, The Pascagoula Alien Abduction. And we're going to move not just to Calvin Parker's story, but beyond that with Irina, Jean, Philip, and Tim. You're in The Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about 
Paracast Plus. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-524-3810-800-524-3810-800-524-3810. That's 800-524-3810. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. walloffire.com. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Every day we take steps to keep the people we love safe, but some health risks are easy to miss. Ticks hiding in the yard can spread germs, like the ones that cause Lyme disease. Mice searching for food can spread bacteria that makes us sick. Mosquitoes lay eggs in standing water and can spread West Nile virus and more. Cockroaches are drawn to water in the home, leaving behind allergens that can trigger asthma attacks. Common pests can threaten our health. Learn how to protect your family at pestworld.org. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So one of our guests, Philip Mantle, has been telling us of his encounters with Calvin Parker and how... They came to work together and how two books from Calvin were published. We've covered those in the Paracast previously. Irina Scott, welcome back. How did you get involved in this case? Well, I got involved way, way, way back at the same time the abduction happened. And that was because I was living in Missouri and my mother was living in Ohio, which is around 600 miles away. 
And one night she called on um, October the 11th, 1973, and said, did you hear that noise? And I told her she was nuts and flipped her wig. And anyway, she called a few days later and said there was, she was a skeptic, by the way. She called a few days later and said there was this huge UFO wave going on that it was, people were staying in at night and keeping their kids out from going out and different things like that. And it sounded just like a war or something. And then I was living in Missouri and I just forgot about it. Didn't pay attention for quite a few years. And then I was working in Ohio and working for Ohio State University. And one day I was in the library and just on a whim, they had real newspapers there that you didn't knock your eyes out looking at microfilm. I decided to go in and see if I could find uh, the date for when she um, did that. And I didn't know when it was, and there were millions of papers. It was just like something from a TV show of vaults and things. And I went in, there were all these papers, and I thought, I will never find this. But I thought it was the middle of October 1973 as a wild guess. And so I went to those papers, and I thought, there's a million papers there. And I pulled down a few, and I found it just really fast. And I, I was only planning to look for about two or three papers. And so anyway, there's a little note about this big sound. And so for some reason, I got interested in it. And I think it was because I thought my mother was crazy. And I couldn't figure out why she would do that. And so I started exploring. And the sound was huge. It was maybe the second most extensive sound ever. And I submitted some information to a scientific journal. And the state seismologist of Ohio was interested. And he helped me do research and actually published in a journal about the strange sound of October the 11th, 1973. And the sound seemed to be exactly, I mean, just like exactly the same time as the abduction, except it was in a different place. But anyway, then, um, so that was it. And then uh, Philip asked me to interview people about the abduction. And I hadn't paid attention to the abduction at all and had no interest. And so, anyway, at that time, that was the same time I'd done some the research on the sound and knew there was a big flap in Ohio about the same time. And so I was interested. And so that made me continue and interview people and get interested. And that's how I got into it. So how did you get in touch with Philip Mantle in participating in this? Well, he had published a couple of my books, and he's in England, where they have an accent, and down in uh, Pascagoula, they have an accent, and I was kind of in between, and he he had, you know, from England, he had to sort out all, of the, all the UK Times and everything else besides having a um, accent, and so he knew me from writing books, and he asked me if I could um, interview people, and so that's how... I got into it. Now, for those who have heard of this case by legend alone, which is a lot of people because we're talking about something I hear that happened so many years ago. Either of you want to take this, give us kind of like a short summary of what happened to Hickson and Parker in 1973. Yeah, Philip, you want to do it? or uh, are you? Yeah, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I mean, Calvin was 18, almost 19. Um, just got engaged to his fiance and later wife, Waynette. And he was working all the hours under the sun. And she said, you know, I never see you. Now, Calvin didn't live in Pascagoula. He lived out near Laurel, which I think is, a, you know, a couple of hundred miles away. But his family had grown up alongside uh, the Hicksons. Uh, so it was Calvin's father said, why don't you ring Charlie? He's a foreman in the, in the uh, you know, in, in the building ships, in the shipbuilding. He might be able to get you a job at the shipyard. So Calvin did. So he says, yeah, no problem. We've got some vacancies. So the idea was uh, Calvin would lodge with Charlie Hickson Monday to Friday, pay him some lodgings, work in the shipyard, and then go home on a weekend and then see how it goes. You know, he's planning to get married in November. He just bought a brand new car. So they said, great. So Thursday, October the 11th, 1973, was Calvin's first day at work in the shipyard. He says, morning went great. You know, got stuck in, in the afternoon. He was a welder. And he's driving them home. And uh, both both gentlemen um, enjoyed fishing. And it was on the way home. It was Charlie said, you fancy doing some fishing tonight, son? She said, yeah, great. They went home, got some tackle. They stopped en route to buy some bait. And uh, Charlie's giving directions because Calvin didn't know the location. He wasn't familiar with the area. And he said, we're going down by the river, Pascagoula River, directing him. Uh, they pass a car that's parked up. Uh, they go by a no-entry sign, and Calvin comments on this, and Charlie says, don't take no notice. So they get the, their fishing rods out. They, they're in one location, but, uh, but it's infested with insects. So they move to another, which is an old pier on a, a little place that had, had you know closed many years before. So they literally stood there on the pier, you know, fishing away. And first they hear a little zipping noise. And then these blue lights emerge from behind them and it goes out across the water. Calvin thinks immediately, it's the police. I know we shouldn't have ignored the no-entry no sound. We're going to spend the night in jail. And both guys turn around roughly at the same time. And, of course, it's not the police. Descending is a large football-shaped object. Uh, it's got two lights on one end. The light is extremely bright. It stops about two feet above the ground. An opening appears, and then again, more dazzling light comes through this opening. Three humanoid figures literally glide across the ground towards them. They're described as having about five foot tall, maybe a little little tall, and no head, no neck. Um, pointed protrusions out of each side of the head and one out of the front. Their arms are a little bit longer. They have pincer or mitten-like appendages. Their legs remain together they never they don't walk uh, they're gray in color and they said that the covering or the skin is gray and wrinkly like that of an elephant both guys are petrified at this sight two grab over calvin sorry charlie one gets hold of calvin and their fear kind of goes we continue with the description back on october 11th 1973 from philip mantle about the ufo encounter with calvin parker and charles sixon with Gene, Tim, Irina, and Philip, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA News Update. The sitting president is losing favor with his own party. President Biden's approval rating within his own party has hit a record low. According to a Gallup poll, only 75% of Democratic respondents approve of his performance in the White House, marking an 11-point drop from the previous month. Meanwhile, 35% of independent voters expressed approval, down four percentage points from September. I'm John Schaefer. The United Auto Workers Union and GM are potentially getting a little bit closer to a labor agreement. According to CNBC, discussions persisted into Friday morning, and the proposed deal would be modeled after the tentative agreement recently struck with Ford. Packaged chopped onions are under a recall due to a salmonella outbreak. Gill's brand diced yellow or red onions have led to reported cases in 22 states. The CDC has documented a total of 73 cases nationwide. It's crucial to discard the affected packages as cooking will not eliminate the salmonella risk. Skip Kelly, USA News. It's obvious the unthinkable is happening. With all the recent media distractions, most folks never saw it coming. But a few did. Their guts told them something very wrong was going on. And now the headlines are proving them right. The people in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. Folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells biomass stoves, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, gravity-powered water filters, heirloom seeds, and survival gear that may come in handy soon. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. It's time to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to Veterans 
and nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Phil, to continue the story of Hickson Parker, they encounter these beings, which you were describing. Yeah, I mean, Go ahead, please. Yeah, but, but both gentlemen are paralyzed. They can only move their eyes. They are then taken, I mean, literally floated to this object. They go in through the opening. Charlie goes to the right, Calvin to the left. Calvin's placed on a, a transparent structure. This ugly thing that he calls it stands to attention, you know, just, just by the side of him. And this thing comes out of the ceiling. Um, it's it's about the size of a pack of cards. Goes around him, making a clicking noise. Off it goes again. And then uh, another creature appears. But this one is... Pretty much looks like a human female, although the middle fingers on her hands are somewhat longer. She opens Calvin's mouth. She puts his finger in and into his mouth. It hurts. She removes his, his clothing, his bottom half, his shoes and socks, and they stick something in his foot. And he says it hurts, you know, and they, they clothe him. He manages to regain a little bit of composure and he grabs hold of this female, but she points to the big creature and he's it grabs him. It's paralyzed. And out he goes back to whence he came. Charlie had a similar experience. He just said he was suspended. You know, he doesn't understand. I was suspended. And this thing came out of the wall in front of him. He said it looked like a big eye, as if it was scanning him. He didn't see any female creature. And again, he was placed back out on the pier. And he said Calvin was there, standing, looking out over the water with his, his arms stretched out in front of him. Charlie lost his balance. His legs were a bit wobbly. Finally got up and shook Calvin. Is he all right? You all right? You all right, son? They turned around and this thing was gone in a flash. So they debated what to do. And, you know, Calvin said, there's no way we're telling anybody. You know, one of the things he was terrified of is, is was his, his fiance's father finding out. He says, you know, he'd never let me marry her if I'd come out with a crazy story like this. So they agree not to say anything. So they stagger back to Calvin's brand new car. You have to remember that. They open the passenger door. All the glass falls out. Calvin gets in the other side. The car won't start. He said it took him at least 20 attempts before it would go. So they're heading off home, and it was Charlie who had a change of heart. He said, we've got to tell somebody. What if these things come back and do this to someone else? What if it's the start of an invasion? You have to remember Charlie had been in the army and fought in the war in Korea. So Calvin agrees, but on one condition. He'll say, I'll, I'll say I saw the UFO and the creatures, but once they came out and got older males, I want to say I'll pass out. I don't want to talk about it. That's what they came to. They pulled in at a little convenience store that had a payphone. They first and foremost phoned Keesler Air Force Base. 
And a young lady answered the phone and said, we're not in the UFO business anymore. Ring your local authorities. So they do. And that's Jackson County Sheriff's Department. They send a car out. They give them a sobriety test first and foremost, which they pass. They escort them into town to the sheriff's office. Uh, they're both interviewed separately. And the, the sheriff, Fred Diamond, and his deputies didn't, didn't believe them. So they put both of them in a room together and left them alone. And the deputies said, we're back in a few minutes. Unbeknown to Charlie and Calvin in the desk next to them is a tape recorder playing, recording what they're saying. The deputy comes back a few minutes later take something out of the desk, they don't know what it is. And they, the deputy thinks, we'll have them now, they'll be laughing and joking while we weren't there. But of course, when they play the tape back, they weren't laughing and joking. Calvin's crawling up the walls, you know, uh, Charlie's trying to calm things down, they're both thinking about what had happened. So, you know, the sheriff says, there's not a lot we can do, you, you can go home. And they, they say to the sheriff, please don't tell anybody. And, and he agrees. So they go home. Next morning, they get up, they drive to work, and there's a few extra cars in the parking lot. They, they weren't at work long when they're summoned to the boss's office. And he said, you know, what the hell have you two been up to? The telephones won't stop ringing. There's journalists calling from everywhere. We've got the media outside. So they, they tell the boss what had happened the night before. He offers them the use of their attorney, Joe Kalingo, if they need it. And they are dispatched. Uh, eventually to Singing River Hospital. They have a checkup there. They then, somebody thinks, well, what about radiation? Well, the hospital can't check for that, so guess where they were sent to? Keesler Air Force Base, the first place that had turned them down. They literally just checked with a Geiger counter, and it registers nothing. But the guys that were in charge said, well, why are you here? Why don't you tell us what happened? And we have a copy of that conversation, um, they had a stenographer at Keesler Air Force Base who recorded it. So the full transcript, unredacted, is in our book. Similarly with the, the what became known as the secret tape at the sheriff's office, we have a transcript of that so you can, you can read every word they said and they've been secretly recorded. The following day, of course, Dr. James Harder from APRO turned up and so did the Close Encounters man, Dr. Hynek himself. They went through everything. They interviewed the gentleman. The following day, before going back, you know, Heineck calls a press conference and said, you know, these, these two gentlemen are legitimate, should treat them with respect, uh, and off he goes. Uh, and, you know, the story hit, hit the headlines around the world. Is so much for the yeah. Air Force being out of the flying saucer business. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that, that's, that's just how it happened. Now, obviously here, this is something that impacted them totally differently and by the way i want to ask you just whether it relates to anything or not so calvin has a brand new car what kind of car was it i can't remember to be honest i know it's a big american thing he's told me i i i've got a picture of it but a different just a different color it was bright yellow and it was brand spanking new a ford something or other um, uh, but uh, you know, he, he got he got that ready for getting married. Calvin had his life planned out, guys. You know, getting married. You know, I'm gonna have a regular job, to get a house, have children, have grandchildren, retire. That was it planned. But as he said, he said I went to work at the shipyard that day. I got hired, fired, and abducted in the same day. That was his one and only day there. 
he went back home eventually. Uh, and a couple of weeks later, he ended up in the hospital with a breakdown. Uh, but he did manage to get married in November. And his wife, Wayne, of course, has been with him ever since. Did he get, what kind of other job did he get if he wasn't going to work there? Well, what what he did to begin with, and he, he hasn't, he did, I think he made this, um, you know, open a lot. For the first year um, after he got married, um, he spent in the Royal Marines. Uh, the Marine Corps. I, we call it the Royal Marines here. I know you call it the Marine Corps. He spent a year in the Marine Corps, and he said he, he, he did that to get out of the way, to get away from the media. And he said, but the media caught up with him, and he went to see his commanding officer, and they agreed on a, an honourable discharge. Um, so he left He left that. And, and I don't know if you... Um, gentlemen, remember the, the TV series in the 1980s, The Hulk? And, you know, Dr. David Banner, uh, you know, the Hulk's alter ego, uh, was chased by a journalist. And every time the journalist caught up, he would move on to the next town and get another job and have another adventure. Well, that's exactly what happened to Calvin. He did that in real life. His wife uh, and, and child... And he would move to another town. If somebody recognized him, he said, right, we're packing up and moving on again. And there was even one point um, he, he used a false name. And his boss called him into the office one day and said, you're fired. He said, why? He said, well, your name don't match your social security number. You know, so that's what it was like. You know, he spent some time working in the oil fields, you know. He was a builder. He could he could fix and build anything, you know. So he literally moved from town to town. This sounds, of course, not just like the Hulk, the TV series with Bill Bixby, of course, and Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. It sounds partly like the Fugitive, although he didn't commit a crime. He just committed yeah. the crime of seeing the wrong thing. Irina, Philip, Gene, and Tim, you're in the Pericast. <laughs> are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you love mysteries, you'll love these two books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll learn about the strange beings that can look like us, but are not. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll see the hard evidence of UFOs that has been ignored or even hidden. These books will definitely blow your mind, and both are now available on Amazon.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. Silverlungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at Silverlungs.com. That's Silverlungs.com. 
Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp-made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. This is an urgent warning. America is heading for another major financial disaster at an alarming rate. We could see stock prices fall as much as 50%, but this time the crash could be more violent and come faster than you ever imagined. We are Advantage Gold, America's most trusted precious metals company, and we are here to sound the alarm that winter is coming for investors. And now is the time to take actions that may help protect and secure your portfolio with physical precious metals. Want to help protect your hard-earned money before it's too late? Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000 and request our free gold and silver survival kit today. Mention that you heard us on the radio and learn how you could get up to $1,000 in free silver coins. The number is 800-900-8000. Call now to get your free survival kit and see if you qualify for $1,000 in free silver today. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Now, this routine of Calvin Parker being Dr. Banner or Richard Kimball, how long did that last? Did he ever settle down? Eventually settled, you know, in, in when he, you know, in his last few years, you know, um, Calvin was plagued by this. He was traumatized. Charlie was the opposite, of course. Uh, but Charlie had been not used to trauma, but he'd experienced trauma. When he was fighting in the Korean War, several times they came under heavy fire. And uh, he said he, during the encounter, he actually used his, his military experience. He thought these creatures were going to kill him, you know, while he was on board this thing. And he said, he says, if they're going to kill me, you know, let's get it over and done with. But then he remembered when he was in, in combat and they were under fire. And he thought he was going to die. And I think his commanding officer said to him, just keep your head down, son. You know, stay calm. And we'll have a chance to get out of here and we'll be fine. And that's exactly what happened. So he had that experience to to fall back on, whereas Calvin didn't. So Charlie was the, the torchbearer. You know, he went on to speak on the Mike Douglas show. 
and Dick Cavett's show. He would speak at a few UFO conferences. He'd speak at a local church hall, if you asked him, you know. But Charlie thought this was important. He thought it was going to be part of something. There was something going to happen, and this was the start of it. And Calvin would, you know, when he'd see Charlie doing something, he'd just say to himself, I wish he'd stop talking about it. Let's forget it. And occasionally, you know, Charlie would persuade Calvin to appear somewhere, uh, but few and far between. Um, but, you know, people just forgot about it. Calvin popped up again in 2013 because it was the 40th anniversary and, and you know, local media got a couple of interviews with him and then he disappeared off, off again. He had his own business by then. So, you know, he didn't have to wander from town to town and he would just, just not talk about it. So much for people saying that when you see a UFO or you become an abductee, you could become rich and famous. A lot <laughs> of people just want to escape the thing. Irina, we've kept you silent here, not deliberately. Can you flesh out any details from Philip you'd like to add? Uh, well, I knew, uh, Calvin's wife. And, um, you know, they found out about it. And she, it didn't phase her. She still wanted to get married. And so they got married. But she said after that happened to him that he was, like, really, really nervous and shook up. That, like, um, he developed a tick in his mouth, a twitch or a tick, and that lasted a long time of just a twitch. And that he was just really nervous and um, shook up. And he had a nervous breakdown right afterward, right after the abduction, not too long. He went back to live with his father for a while, with his parents, and had a nervous breakdown, was hospitalized. But he wouldn't even talk about it to her. And so she thought he was very sincere and really, really disturbed about it. Tim. Well, what about, um, you know, I'm interested in um, um, Hickson. Didn't he claim that uh, that he had another encounter later in life? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Charles Hickson would, would become what we, we would then phrase as a contactee. He claimed that um, these beings, whatever they were, you know, contacted him on several occasions. Not visually, he just got met a couple of messages and those were that something big was going to happen and he was going to be part of it. There was no details. And then I can't remember the year, but they, they him and his family had been out to see his, his mother-in-law on Mother's Day. You know, have a celebration at Mother's Day and we're driving home when the whole family had a very close UFO sighting. Um, and Charlie thought, whatever is planned to be happening, this is it. You know, it's happening now. And he thought this thing was going to land and, and, you know, and but his family prevented him from from getting out of the car and chasing after this thing. And um, Irina also interviewed uh, Eddie Hickson, um, Charlie's eldest son, who was still alive. And he said it affected his mother more than his father. Uh, his mother was constantly looking over her shoulder to see if it was going to happen again. That's what she was scared of. Um, so both men reacted completely differently to the same event. And um, 
Perhaps we shouldn't be surprised by that. We're all we're all different, but they were totally different. And you know, Charlie would would tell the story in any way he could. Um, he even recorded it on a vinyl record, uh, and I have one here. And uh, how many pressings there were of it, I wouldn't imagine it be a huge amount. And of course, he co-authored his book in nineteen eighty three. So he just thought it was important to tell the story, whereas Calvin just wanted him to shut up. <laughs> Simple as that. Uh, Irina, um, you interviewed then uh, um, Charles, uh, Charles' uh, son. Uh, did he say how the family perceived their, uh, their husband, father's uh, uh, story? I mean... Uh, I've heard from time and time again that, you know, a family, a lot of times, would be the least likely to believe your story. Oh, yeah, Dad's just telling a story again. You know, that sort of thing. But I get the impression from uh, 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 your interviews that they looked at their father as being earnest in uh, what he was saying. Yeah, they thought he was very earnest and his wife was more afraid than he was, and that sort of inhibited him. And he also emphasized a number of times that um, Charles didn't make any money on it, that um, other people were making money, and that he he would ask his father, uh, why aren't you making money? His father said, well, he wanted to convince everybody that he was sincere in telling the truth. And so he didn't want to the impression that he was making money off of it. He said that, you know, if he had to travel and miss work, that he might take a little money. But he wasn't, you know, trying to enrich himself by the story. And so I think that's, the family definitely believed him. And his wife was very afraid that something might happen to him on account of the thing. And um, he had had, he'd been in the, in the uh, military and he had life and death experiences, and that's why he was probably able to hold up to it a lot better than Calvin. And then, you know, if you're in life and death, it's probably smaller things that people are making fun of you and saying, oh, there's the UFO man. Have you seen anything today? And where Calvin, you know, hadn't had that experience, and that's not quite as bad as being in the military and almost getting killed for uh, Charles. And so I think he had a different background, and he also felt very responsible that he should tell people this because it's something people should know, and not just something, you know, if everybody calls it crazy, just stop, shut up, because he sincerely thought it happened to him, and he was concerned about other people, and he thought it's something that humans should know. His son said that when he was younger, that he had once asked his father about UFOs, if they existed. And his father said, oh, no. His <laughs> <laughs> father was surprised a few years later. Said that it's so not to scare, <laughs> scare his kid. You know, it, it reminds me, though, of um, the contactee story of uh, the uh, West Virginia native uh, Woody Derenberger who uh, claimed to have had uh, contacts with uh, Indrid Cold. And um, his wife actually met these people as well, 
what was terrified of them. She said that they, she felt like that they were up to no good, and because they looked so much like us, that they were infiltrating society. And she was, uh, uh, I guess, forever afraid of, of what was going on. Yeah, well, well, with with um, with Eddie Hicks and Charlie's son, he, he, of course, when this happened, he wasn't there. He was in the Marines himself. He was uh, uh, in the Marine Corps, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, he, he he read about it first in Stars and Stripes. So his father didn't get on the phone and call him and tell him what had happened. He had to read about it somewhere first before he found out about it hmm. and um, thankfully there is a couple of interviews with with eddie as a, as a younger fellow as well you know commenting how it affected the family we are going to have a lot more to talk about and i want to get into some of the additional evidence additional cases that are referred to in the book beyond reasonable doubt with Irina, philip gene and tim you're in <laughs> the better cast For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, the Paracast dot plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast dot plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. These are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do yourself a favor. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now... Here's Gene Steinberg. I interrupted you, Philip. Would you continue? Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, 
you know, Eddie, I've spoken to Eddie as well, but I really did the main interview with him. And um, he still has material of his father's. And, um, because one of the things we were short of, but both gentlemen, was photographs. So Eddie has a box of photos. But what he does have, and we're trying to get our... Our, our hands on it. It's a box of VHS videos that belong to his father, and he's no idea what's on them because um, he has nothing to play them on. So, you know, for, for example, I I have the audio of Eddie Hickson on the Dick Cavett show, but don't we can't find the video. So I'm hoping that in, in these box of VHS tapes there might be something like that lying around. Um, but just give you an example before we go into some of the other witnesses. Uh, Irina and I had literally just finished the book and it was it was uploaded, ready to go. And in early August, I was contacted by a lady called Chelsea Norton Prince. She runs the Ocean Springs Historical Society. And she had an interest in this case and they have a, a Facebook page. And she put a couple of postings on this Facebook page about the incident. And a lady called Bethany Fayard contacted her and said, I have two boxes of letters here that used to belong to Charles Hickson. But she said, my mum and dad bought Charlie Hickson's house when he when he died in 2011. And this and a lot more stuff was there. She gave those that material to Chelsea. Chelsea contacted me to see if I was interested. Of course I was. She then digitized them all in super quick time. And they are all here on a on a on a, a USB stick, and they're a little time capsule, guys. You know, there's no smoking guns in them, but for example, there is a, a hand drawn sketch of the UFO by Charlie. He does a a one to twenty list of what the creatures look like. So we do it like bullet points today. This is all handwritten. You know, how big was the node? So many inches. How wide was the chest? You know, forty four inches, and so on. And there's a whole range of correspondence in it. A lot of it is to buy Charlie's book and, and some to buy his record that was out. Um, but there were others, you know, he corresponded. He met Betty Hill, as did uh, Calvin at a later date. So there's correspondence with, from Betty. But the, one, in, one really interesting thing, and rather, rather apt, um, there is a letter in there from a NASA physicist and he says to, to Charlie Hickson, I asked NASA to investigate your case when it happened. And they said, no, we're not interested. You know, and I'm reading this just, just around about the same time that they recently had the NASA hearings on, on television saying, you know, they're setting up their own UFO study. So I did email them and... Um, but I haven't got a response, of course. But it was just curious. It was just very curious. You know, when you mentioned before VHS tapes, now I was looking at eBay as you were talking. I used to have a beautiful Mitsubishi Super VHS deck. Unfortunately, I had no purpose for it anymore. I had sold all my VHS tapes, so I gave it away to somebody. But you can actually get one, I don't know about the condition, for as little as $50. So yeah. just saying if you want to try that, just like oh. I had to look for a cassette deck when I need one of those. <laughs> Go ahead, please. Well, yeah, we have to remember as well, you know, between the UK and the US, there are different 
uh, systems. So you have NTSC, we have something else. So if you sent me a video, I wouldn't be able to play it here or, or anyway. Um, but we have uh, Chelsea, Norton, Prince, Ocean Springs ready to help us, and, and others have now offered assistance. So if we can get this material and borrow it, we only want to borrow it, we'll copy it and return it, you know, to to uh, Charlie Hicks. And what we don't want is it for it to get lost. Uh, that, that's the main thing. And um, so it'd be interesting to see what, what, what they have. And of course, Miss um, Fayard, when she donated these two boxes of, of correspondence uh, and other paraphernalia, she said, I had a lot more than that. But several years ago, I gave the rest of the stuff to somebody else. But she couldn't remember who she'd given it to. So we we do know factually that there is other material correspondence out there. And it just so happens one of the short TV interviews that Charlie Hickson did was in his bedroom. And guess what? His bed and his dressing table are swamped with correspondence. There's letters scattered everywhere. So we know he had this stuff. It's just, so we're on the lookout for it, whether we'll ever find it or not remains to be seen. But uh, we don't give in easily, Irina and I, I can assure you. What we should be doing here, Irina and Philip, is begin to cover the rest of the story from the original yeah. case, all the papers and... You've gotten everything, but can we start to lead into the fact that Hickson and Parker were not alone to have a strange encounter back then? Absolutely. I mean, what happened was when, when Calvin's book came out in 2018, um, a local journalist called Karen Nelson uh, arranged a visit. Karen was very skeptical that she wrote an article called Reinvestigating the Pascagoula Alien Abduction. Of course, she met Calvin interviewed him in his home, went out to the location where it happened. Uh, and, but what she also did, it was filmed. So not only did she write, you know, a rather long um, newspaper article about it, she made like a little six or seven minute mini documentary. So when you read the newspaper article online, you could also access the documentary. But somebody much cleverer than me downloaded that and put it on YouTube. And I was reading the comments on YouTube one day, and there was one of them, one of uh, quite a lot, of my, I might add, and it just said, my mother and father were on the opposite side of the river that night, and they too saw the UFO. So this person, turned out was a lady, had used her real name. I managed to locate her on social media, sent her a message, explained who I was, and could we speak to your mum and dad, please? Could you ask them? She came back to you that are Mrs. Maria Blair and Mr. Jerry Blair. And here's their telephone number. So I rang them up and I spoke to Maria, uh, Mrs. Blair. And she says, yeah, we were on the opposite side of the river that night. Um, my husband was going out on a boat. He was, a, I think, was an engineer. That the, They helped supply, you know, the oil fields out in the Gulf. And um, he was just waiting for his, his captain. You know, the boat was there. But, you know, he was just waiting for his captain. He was late. He wasn't in a great mood. He was trying to have a sleep in the car. And Mrs. Blair said, out across the other side of the river, there's this thing. She called it an airplane to begin with, but she said it flew like no airplane you've ever seen. It was very low. It was blue. Blue in colour. 
It zigzagged around. It went up and down the river. And she said, I knew there was no landing field there. You know, so if it's an aeroplane, there's nowhere to land. And her husband decides that they're going to walk down the pier and put his clothes and everything on the boat. As they're doing so, there is a huge splash in the water next to them. This creature literally jumps up out of the water in front of Maria. She calls it a grey man. She's terrified, of course. She runs like hell. She sees this thing go back under the water, but it doesn't come back up. And she estimates this is about nine o'clock. Then she leaves the boat, still terrified, and has to run down the pier in the darkness. But now it's 12 o'clock. And she runs back to the car. She goes home. You know, her husband's out at sea for several days. And um, whilst they told, they have two daughters, they told the two daughters about it. They didn't speak publicly about it. And he says, don't tell anyone, don't think we're nuts. So, you know, as I've done with just about everybody else, I passed these details over to Irina. And Irina will tell you the, the rest of the story. Irina, let's pursue that in our next segment as we go beyond reasonable doubt. The book from Irina Scott and Philip Mandel. We'll be talking about it for much of the remainder of the episode here. With Gene Steinberg and Tim Swartz, that means you're in the Betacast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. This is an urgent warning. America is heading for another major financial disaster at an alarming rate. We could see stock prices fall as much as 50%, but this time the crash could be more violent and come faster than you ever imagined. We are Advantage Gold, America's most trusted precious metals company, and we are here to sound the alarm that winter is coming for investors. And now is the time to take actions that may help protect and secure your portfolio with physical precious metals. Want to help protect your hard-earned money before it's too late? Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000 and request our free gold and silver survival kit today. Mention that you heard us on the radio and learn how you could get up to $1,000 in free silver coins. The number is 800-900-8000. Call now to get your free survival kit and see if you qualify for $1,000 in free silver today. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Check with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. 
Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. This is how we do every day. If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Irina, give us more details about this case on the other side of the river. I have one question quickly, though. Can you describe in more detail the creature? That was seen. Well, she just describes it as a gray man. She called it a gray man. So it um, wasn't like the creature like, from the Black Lagoon. She's no, not at all. No, she calls it a gray man. I've, I've tried to clarify with her. She was, I mean, she was terrified. She says this thing jumped up. She, she said, I knew it was gonna grab me, and she said I was unconscious straight away. She just calls it an ugly gray man and of course that's what calvin called these creatures the big uglies that was the only way he could describe them so whether it was the same i'm not going to say yes or no that's just the way that those were her words not mine i really might be able to elaborate more she she's done most of the conversation with with uh, with mrs blair okay she was the first person i interviewed and at that time, I didn't have much interest in the <laughs> abduction at all. I'd been interested in the sounds. And so I didn't have a background. Um, and also, I didn't read much about the abduction because I didn't want to influence anybody. I was afraid if I knew anything about it, I might ask influencing questions or something. And so I didn't have too much background on it. And so I started talking to her, and she described how she was in the car with her husband, and her husband went to sleep. 
and she st- saw this thing flying around, and she thought it was an airplane, but there wasn't. A, it was very low, and just kept not going anywhere. It would just zoom around, and so she thought the the pilot must be lost or searching for something or something, and she couldn't figure that out. And then he decided to take his clothes to the ship. And so they were walking down the pier, and he was ahead of her. And he's a skeptic um, from at that time. Uh, I talked to him first, actually, and he said something about a big splash and something about he thought it was a blimp, and then he handed the phone to her, and she started describing sitting in the car and everything. And um, so anyway, he was walking ahead of her, and she was walking behind him, and this thing flopped up on the pier right in front of her. And she kept saying, it looked like a man. And so I would ask her, is it a fish? Is it a dolphin? She said, no, it looked like a man. But she couldn't understand because it went back down the water. It didn't come back up. And she thought it'd have to get air. And so she said something to her husband. He said, oh, that's nothing. And they went on to the ship, and which was around nine. And then she came back about 12. And I wondered about that, of, you know, why she was on the ship so long. And she was terrified, and she ran back to her car. And so she was very, very, very emotional about this thing that flopped up on the pier in front of her. And we talked and wrote for about two years and trying to figure out why she was so emotional. And she had all this emotion, but she didn't have any idea what was going on. And then um, sometime later, her husband, who had been a strong skeptic and had always told her, don't talk about it and all that, he became very ill. And he probably knew he was about to die. And right before they put him on a ventilator, when they put you on a ventilator, it's a horrible thing, and you can't talk. You have this thing down your lungs and everything. And um, he told her that they had been abducted. And this was surprising because, you know, he's been a skeptic. And so he told her that he remembered the things that abducted them and remembered the beings and things. And... Um, went into a lot of detail um, and told about afterwards he saw them swimming back across the river toward where uh, where Charlie and Kelvin were they didn't know that that they were there then and um, he said he kept his eye on one of them and he called one of them the doctor and she didn't know why but this answered her question, and she said that these things had sort of been waiting for him. And then when her husband said, let's, uh, said to go to the ship, well, they came down and abducted him after they were out of the car. Um, and I think she wanted to explore it further in hypnosis, and nobody did that for a while because she, her husband had just died, and she was upset about everything. But they wanted to show, to sort of prove it like, and she called Philip and made a video of her husband talking, then her husband also talked to Philip. So uh, 
everybody knew that they were sincere. And then later, several years later, she was hypnotized. And she said these beings wanted, were interested in her eggs and her DNA. And she didn't remember um, collecting anything like that, but that's what they were interested in. So maybe some more went on that she didn't remember. But she said that they wanted to hybridize or change themselves so that they could live among us and so that they would look like us. And so that's why they were interested in DNA and the eggs. And she talked about that some of the people in the human race aren't real, that maybe they're hybrids now. And that um, she kept talking about that they are like normal people and they kept driving, and she kept saying something about driving cars. And I don't know what she was talking about in that. But she, they hypnotized her and it went, the hypnosis kept, uh, she talked for quite a while during the hypnosis. And so I, that apparently seemed to answer some of her questions. But for quite a long time, she had the oldest emotion, but she didn't have any idea why she was emotional. And then later under hyp hypnosis, she said that, this thing that flopped in front of her that immediately got control of her mind. And then she didn't remember too much about it, the abduction and things, but she remembered that it c controlled her mind. And then uh, she talked about the eggs and the DNA and that sort of thing. And she kind of worried because her husband had been married several other times and she was worried about their DNA. You know, I so, want to ask something quickly that occurs uh, to me, Irina. First of all, were most of the details of this case recalled during the hypnotic sessions? No. Um, no. She, you know, anything about her being abducted, she just had a feeling that something was wrong. And then uh, all she remembered was this thing flopping up on the pier in front of her. And she had all kinds of emotions, but she didn't have any idea what was wrong until... Her husband said they'd been abducted. We'll have more. I know Philip has a comment on what Irina just said. So, Irina, Jean, Philip, and Tim, you're in. The podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at teamg'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at teamg'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. Teamg'day.com. Teamg'day.com. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions, SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com.
USA News update. The 40-year-old firearms instructor suspected of killing 18 people Wednesday at two businesses in Lewiston, Maine, was found dead Friday. Robert Card's body was found near the Androscoggin River in Lisbon Falls at 7.45 p.m., according to Maine Public Safety Commissioner. The commissioner said Card had an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound. 18 people were killed when Card is believed to have opened fire at a bar and a bowling alley in Lewiston, Maine on Wednesday night. The United Auto Workers said it reached a tentative agreement with Stellantis to end the union strike against the automaker, but it escalated its strike against General Motors after days of marathon talks, walking off the job at a factory in Spring Hill, Tennessee. The Stellantis deal, if ratified by a majority of the automaker's UAW workers, will give employees a 25% raise in base wages over the next four and a half years, the union said on Saturday. The deal and a similar agreement with Ford on Wednesday give the UAW its biggest gains in years. Skip Kelly, USA News. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay, Philip, you wanted to jump into what Irina was saying about that yeah, particular yeah, abduction yeah. case. Go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like Mr. Blair, Jerry, he was almost making like a deathbed confession, uh, although it didn't happen over one night. It, it, it stretched out somewhat. And when he started talking about it, Maria was as mad as hell. Because when I first spoke to Maria on the phone, she said to me, I often wondered if something similar didn't happen to us that happened to Charlie and Kelvin. And I said, why do you, why do you say that, Maria? She said, I've just got, I can see little things out of the side of my peripheral vision, but I can't quite make it out. 
all, everything that Jerry told uh, Maria was all recorded uh, before the, the hypnosis because Maria's that can be a bit difficult to get a hold of. So it would be via Facebook messaging. So we have a copy of it. It's not he said, she said. And, um, and it was Maria's request to undergo hypnosis. And we said no at first because I'd, ne I'd never used hypnosis ever. Um, but then she asked again. I said, well, look, I'll see if I can organize it. But, you know, I don't know. Anyway, a young lady, a professional hypnotherapist called Crystal Slaughter, agreed to do it. It was done at Calvin Parker's house because uh, Maria had got to know Calvin and Waynette by this time. Calvin had been under hypnosis before, so we could reassure her, and she felt safe there. But what we didn't do is we didn't tell the hypnotherapist anything. All we told her was a date, time, and a location. That was it. And she had no idea what to expect. And we had the, the session professionally filmed as well with two separate cameras there, one out and one in. And there's one one reel as, as the video was playing. You see the look on, on the hypnotherapist's face when Maria starts talking. She had no idea what to expect. So we tried to keep it that way so we weren't, you know, we can't be accused of leading questions. But the vast majority of what Maria told us was long before the um, the hypnosis. And as as Irina said, Mr. Blair was in the hospital, in his hospital bed. Uh, he was sat on his hospital bed with his shirt off, still had the electrodes uh, attached to his chest and the wires. And he insisted on speaking to me from his hospital bed. So... Maria had to put him on the mobile phone, and he says, Mr. Mantle. He always called me Mr. Mantle. I, I lied. He says, I saw the same as my wife did, and I saw the creatures go back across the water. And then he made Maria film that on her phone, and we have that. We have a copy of that film. So it's not, you know, he said, she said. We actually have a copy of him. He was having an operation the next day, and they didn't think he was going to survive it. Thankfully, he did. But it was only, you know, it, it was only going to protract things a little bit longer, and sadly he died. So it was, it was, in my opinion, a deathbed confession. And I would say, you know, 90% of the information we, we, we obtained before any hypnosis. And, um, you know, you know, all of the, again, the hypnosis session is typed out in full in the book, you know, beyond reasonable doubt. And you can make of that what you want, you know. And, um, but again, people say, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Blair, they came out of the woodwork to get their 15 minutes of fame. Oh, no, they didn't. If it hadn't been for their, what was their youngest daughter's comment on YouTube, and I hadn't, had I not seen it, we would never have found out about it. They didn't step forward. They were glad they told the story, but they had no intentions of doing it until, until I, I, I phoned them. And then... I really have followed it up. So, you know, I've got a lot of time for, for, for the, the Blairs. And Mr. Blair really didn't want much to do with it, you know. But uh, he, he told us in the end as, as much as he could under the circumstances. And I think, he, and, and Calvin, of course, he felt quite elated by it because it was like, well, I told you so, you know. All you buggers that wouldn't believe me. Now here we have somebody sat in the car on the other side of the river and sees what's going on. 
he didn't know about their encounter at first. Uh, he was just happy that somebody else had seen it. We can no longer call it the Parker Hickson encounter. In my opinion, we have to call it the Parker Hickson Blair encounter. You know, uh, but that, that's an, that's an argument for another day. But, but yeah, fascinating stuff. So I can understand why Mr. Blair, thinking that he was going to die, would want to come forward with his story. But did he offer any explanation on why he kept this to himself, despite knowing that his wife was tearing herself up inside, you know, with, uh, uh, with, with, with what happened and him denying that nothing had happened? Yeah, I mean, it's not something that came up in conversation very often between them, um, I, I can assure you. But uh, he just wanted to protect his family because uh, they're two young girls and they hadn't been married that long uh, when this happened, I think. And he just said, I didn't want people to think we were crazy. Uh, as simple as that, pretty much like Calvin did, you know, it's a different era uh, compared to today a much more liberal attitudes to all kinds of things today that simply would not have existed in 1973. It wouldn't. We, I don't have to spell it out, but it, it wouldn't. And um, it's only when he's, perhaps when his final days were coming, that you think, well, they can't do nothing to me. And my wife's in the 70s as well, so we really don't give a monkeys. If they think we're nuts now, it doesn't really matter. And um, so he told her. Um, while he still had the chance, I, I might add, and he was insistent on on insistent on phoning from the hospital. I remember getting the call and telling me, Mr. Mantle, you know, I saw what my wife saw. I lied before. I saw, and he called them, he called them the humanoids. He didn't call them the grey man. He called them the humanoids. And then it made kind of sense to these little things that Maria thought she saw out of the peripheral vision. It wasn't out of a peripheral vision. When this creature had got a hold of her, she had her eyes closed. And she sneaked her eyes open a little bit to get a look about what was happening. And that's all she could see. You know, she could just make out this creature. Her husband was down the other end of the boat. She could see him. And then she said to put them to sleep. But it was, you know, her eyes were peeping. And that's what she could see. So it it kind of made sense to her then, you know, it, it kind of added up. And uh, she's very emotional in parts under the hypnosis. Uh, we've released a couple of, you know, frame grabs from it, a couple of still, because, uh, again, you know, it was all filmed. And, and people can make of it what they like. But we've done it because, like with Calvin, God bless him, you know, and others, I mean, the, the doctor that examined them back in 1973 was Dr. Julius Bosco. Irina interviewed him twice. He's now gone. Um, Captain Glenn Ryder, who was deputy rider at the time in 1973, he dealt with Parker and Nixon. He's now gone. So, you know, we, we want to record these things for posterity, and we can argue about whether they're, you know, of evidential later on. But if we don't record them in the first place, they're going to be lost forever. That is the reason why a few weeks later we put Char uh, Calvin Parker under hypnosis again. He didn't want it but we had the opportunity to do it and film it. So we had it filmed, professionally filmed but there is one little thing that's interesting. By this time the hypnotherapist knows the subject matter. 
So I gave her a couple of questions to ask Calvin while he's under hypnosis. The first question was, when Calvin's standing on the pier with his, his line in the, in the river, nothing has happened. You know, he's just watching the world go by. I don't know what fishermen dream about when, when they're fishing. I've no idea. Just have him describe the scene in front of him. What can he see? And he says, there's the bridge that goes over the river. There's a boat going out. And he even tells me the, the, the name of the boat. We'll continue with that story. From Philip Mantle with Irina Scott and Gene and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. It's obvious the unthinkable is happening. With all the recent media distractions, most folks never saw it coming. But a few did. Their guts told them something very wrong was going on. And now the headlines are proving them right. The people in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. Folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells biomass stoves, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, gravity-powered water filters, heirloom seeds, and survival gear that may come in handy soon. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. It's time to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. 
Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. What if Extendivite really works, but you find that hard to believe and you spend precious time looking for someone to say, just try it. I have my help today because of Extendivite, and if I did not take a leap of faith and try it, well, I would be on disability today. Take one bottle of Extendivite as suggested for 60 days to find out for yourself. No need to stop any other meds you may be on. You know by now that they are not working for you. Before the 60 days are up, I know that you will feel Extendivite working for you and will want to take another bottle. Life is too short. Get your Extendivite today. Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69.95 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extend Ovite. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So he's describing what he saw, and this is a memory retrieved during this hypnotic session? Yeah, it's right at the very beginning, before anything else, and he says there's a boat going out. He calls it a Noah boat. I think it was N-O-A. H or N O double A was a company acronym on the side of the boat. And he said, you know, and then right at the end of it, he says there's two figures on the opposite side of the river. And that's it. You know, and you, if you weren't listening to it careful, you would miss that comment. So I thought to myself, and I think I actually asked the question in the book, were those two figures, Mr. and Mrs. Blair, were there somebody else? We don't know. You know, we'll probably never know. But it was just curious. He said, oh, there's two figures on the other side of the river. So make of that while you will. And again, you know, the whole transcript is in the book. But he just, he tells the story before. And and like I said, Calvin said, hypnosis was okay. But I remembered it all, or most of it all anyway. So it just clarified a few points for him. But we we had the opportunity and we we, we got the assistance of the hypnotherapist and a professional cameraman, so we thought we'll record it for posterity. And we have, and it's in high quality as well. Okay, so this is a question that either of you could answer, or both of you can answer if you like. What were the similarities noted between what the Blairs experienced and what uh, Charlie and Calvin experienced? You know, like uh, the type of beans, the shape of the ship, anything like that that uh, may be similar. The only thing, I mean, Maria Maria says she, she saw the inside of the ship. It turned it was metallic. And the light was really bright. She said, really bright. Calvin and Charlie said the same. But Calvin even said the light just came out of the paint. He's calling it paint because he didn't know what, the, what to call it. So the light literally came out of the walls. Uh, it was so bright. And I think when the initial incident happened, when this thing was descending the light was was bright and uh, when the opening appeared it was really intense they had to shield their heart their eyes 
I think it was Charlie said he affected his eyes a few for a few days afterwards. And because of that, because the light was so so bright, it made it difficult for them to estimate the size of this thing. So in the early literature, you'll see two or different, three or different estimations. That was purely because of the, you know, the intensity of the light. Um, I think Calvin said it was like a welder's light. You know, if, uh, you know if you look, you know if you look at a bright light, you can sometimes leave that residue on your retina for a while. It was like that, uh, and that's what and Maria said when she peeped open her eyes a little bit that this light was intense, and she just calls these creatures dark, dark-skinned, and ugly. You know, um, we didn't get chance to interview uh, Jerick because by the time he started talking to her, he was in the hospital, so. It wasn't something we could go into great detail uh, with him personally. but um, and, he, and he said he saw the creatures go back across the river. What Marina's idea, and it's only an idea, was that they were the intended target that night because they were due to be on that pier at a certain time to go out on that boat. And the only reason they didn't go out on the boat because their boss was late. Whereas Calvin and... Charlie only made the decision to to go fishing that night on the way home from work. And it was Calvin's first day there anyway. So they kind of look upon Charlie and Calvin as collateral damage, if you like. You know, I don't know if that's the right word to, to use. But she believes that they were in the intended targets, not Charlie and Calvin. And she also had the suspicion that it had happened before. Not necessarily to her, but to... Um, a husband, and the husband said he was just trying to protect her. That's all he was trying to do, was just try and prote protect her. Even when saying don't talk to anybody, it was his way of saying, you know, don't tell anybody, they'll think we're nuts. And, and he's right, you know, you know, he's, he's exactly right. Um, we found other people who didn't have encounters, but were there that night as well. And um, one of them, was Mr. Lewis Lee. And, and again, he's no man who stepped forward. Um, Calvin Parker had a, a book signing in Pascagoula. And Mr. Lee, an elderly gentleman, white hair, went up, I'll have a book, Mr. Parker, you know, $20, whatever, sign it. And he's talking to Wayne, and then he says, oh, you know, I saw the UFO that night, and away he goes. So... Calvin tells me about this. Luckily for us, somebody was taking photographs and they have a picture of this gentleman buying the book. So we put it on social media. Uh, within a couple of days, a lady from the library said, I know who that is. I'll ask him if he'll talk to you. And he did. Yeah, Mr. Lewis Lee. And uh, he was a crane operator in the shipyard. And he says, Philip, I get in the crane in my cab. It's about 10 feet off the ground. You've got a great view. And he says, as soon as I got in it, see this darn thing. I can't do as a Mississippi accent, gentlemen. I can see this darn thing across the water. And he said, I've never, ever seen anything like it since or before then. And he watched it for quite some time. It was almost, he said, it looked almost like, a, a you know, a jewel, a diamond. He could see straight through it at times. And the only reason he took his eyes off it is because somebody from down below was shouting him 
and he had to look away and concentrate on what he was doing, and when he turned back and he'd gone. Now, I, I said to Mr. Lee, did you report this to anybody? And he says, who the hell are you going to report it to? There's no Ghostbusters in 1933, you know? So he says, I told my friends and family, and, and that was it, you know? Back in 1973, there was um, criticism, because where the incident happened, gents, he says, not out in the swamps of Mississippi. It's right by Highway 90. The bridge goes over the river. And somebody said, well, nobody on the bridge seen it. Well, no, you should have said, as far as we're aware, nobody has seen it on the bridge yet, it hasn't come forward. Anyway, the gentleman did come forward, a Mr. Charles Rusty Lee, driving over the bridge that night uh, with his wife, and he said he, he watched it for some 30 seconds or more. He said it was down below him. Again, it's a blue-coloured thing. So he said, I thought it's so low, it's going to crash. The next day, he went down by the river to visit an aunt. And um, as he got there, she said to him, you'll never guess what I saw last night. Now, Dr. Scott and I have been consulting on a um, a documentary with a British production company. It's all filmed. It's in the editing stages. And they were in the US last year, and they edited Mr. Anderson. Yeah, sorry, interviewed Mr. Anderson. And he put a little post on his Facebook page, been interviewed, you know, for a for a TV documentary. So I'm reading, the, again, the, the comments underneath. And there's a comment from a lady with a completely different name. She said, oh, I saw that thing that night. So I contacted her uh, privately. She said, yeah, I'll talk to you, no problem. Pamela, Pamela Eiley uh, uh, Eves, I think her name is. It's, just, it's a three-barreled name anyway. And she was putting the children to bed and she just happened to be closing the curtains, which look in that direction. She sees the blue thing. What is interesting is that she was the cousin of Mr. Anderson. So she didn't need, know he'd seen anything and vice versa. And I found that, you know, ra rather, you know, quite assuring people weren't necessarily blabbing it out to everybody. So here you have cousins who didn't know about each other's sighting. Uh, and, and that was quite a, kind of relevant. And um, and these are just a few of the the other witnesses that we've managed to to find one way or another, or they've stepped forward and and Irene has interviewed them. I wanted to ask you something here, which we'll carry through to the next segment, and that is contemporaneous recollections. These things are coming forward forty five, fifty years after the event. What about anything else? A related event. Back in 1973, is there something in the newspaper? Is there something recorded then? Did these people, any of them, have notes that they wrote during the early period? You know, it's kind of like the Roswell case where nothing came out until 30 years later. And as you would agree, folks, I think, is that the most accurate reports are the ones done as soon as possible after the craziness went on. And the book is entitled Beyond Reasonable Doubt, The Pascagoula Alien Abduction, written by our guests, Philip Mantle and Irina McCammon-Scott, as published by Philip's Flying Disc Press. By the way, our guests will also join us on the After the Paracast podcast. With Gene and Tim, you're in The Paracast. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you love reading about the mysteries of the universe? Do you wonder what secrets are hidden in the shadows of our own planet? If so, you won't want to miss these two amazing books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll explore the world of the mimics of man, beings that can look like us but are not. They've been among us since the beginning of history, hiding in plain sight, influencing our culture in ways we can scarcely imagine. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll discover the so-called hard evidence of UFOs that's been available for study this entire time, but for the most part, has been ignored. These two books will open your eyes to a hidden reality that has been right in front of our eyes all along. That's Mimics, The Others Among Us, and Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. Available now on Amazon.com. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So the question I had, of course, of Philip Mantle here is about contemporaneous accounts, stuff that you can trace back to 1973, not remembered years later. What about it? Yeah, absolutely, because some of the witnesses that start off in, in, in the book were from 1973. They were right after the incident happened. That's Jerry Booth. He's, he's one of them. And he was, he was interviewed at the time, uh, both in the newspaper and on television. So we have, we have a couple of stills of him pinched from that. So he was, you know, right away. And, uh, and so were others, you know. But the, we have to look how how long is too far away from the incident before your your testimony becomes in inverted commas invalid. The reason I asked that because you know we found out that Sheriff Fred Diamond had a UFO sighting two days afterwards, and we found that in the newspaper. Um, the officer William Gennaro he had a, a sighting about five days later. But he didn't report it to NICAP until 1976, so three years after the event. And then, of course, in 1981, uh, a colleague of ours, uh, whom I didn't know at the time, when Charlie, when Calvin's book came out, we were contacted by a Greek researcher called Stephanos 
Panagiotakis. And in 1981, he was in the Greek Merchant Navy as a radio operator, and they docked in Pascagoula. But he was also a UFO researcher. And he set off, I think the, the dock there for a week. So he set off to get an interview with Charlie Hickson, which he did. And he had it on tape. He went to the police station and they advised him to go and speak to a gentleman called Pastor Emmanuel Sigalas. And they gave him his address, so he literally turned up, knocked on the door. And the pastor was of Greek descent anyway, so that helped. Now, on that night of October the 11th, 1973, the pastor, along with uh, Don Broders of the police probation service, and a young church volunteer, a young lady, uh, were driving to a a church-sponsored event that was to help people with alcohol problems. And they're driving out of Pascagoula, and it's the young lady in the back of the car sees this thing coming. And it come right across the front of them, literally, right across the road in front of them. And um, Spiros interviewed him. He, he he transcribed the interview with Mr. Segalas, took photos of, with him. But it took us a while, and a colleague helped us. Who was this lady in the back of the car? Segalas and, and Broders. Uh, had passed away, but we got their transcript pretty much nailed down from uh, Stephanos. Uh, I started looking for her, and we found her name, and it was Joanne Hallmark. She'd been in Pascagoula for only a short time. I think she worked at one of the schools. And I found a few social media accounts that were well out of date. They hadn't been used for a long time. So I left it. Went back about a year or so later and had another look at these social media accounts and there was a church mentioned in it. And I simply Googled the church and lo and behold, there was such a place that this church had a website and on this website were a couple of sermons that you could listen to. And they were done by somebody called Hallmark, the same name as this lady. So I'm thinking, is this her son? Is it her husband? You know? So it had a general email address, so I emailed them, said I was looking for this lady. She worked in Pascagoula, did not mention UFOs. A few weeks later, she replied, yes, I did work with Pastor Sigalas out in Pascagoula in 1973. And then I had to tell her what I was interested in, so I tell her. And she come back to us, Irina, uh, you interviewed uh, Miss, Mrs. Hallmark out in uh, Mizzou, I don't know, well, uh, Maryland, she's living now. Yeah, um, she remembered it real well in, in detail. Um, she was driving in the car and saw, she was the first person that saw it and uh, said, this looks strange, it was kind of cylindrical or something, it just didn't fit into anything she'd seen before. And so the rest of them looked at it and they didn't know either. And so she remembered it quite well. Well, there's one thing I want to change tack here with now, gentlemen, when we're on about contemporary evidence from the time. Now, when I when I linked up with Calvin Parker, I said to him, have you got any f- photographs, any documents? Nothing. He has nothing. It had all gone in Hurricane Katrina. So one of my jobs was to set about and see what I could find. I contacted the Centre for UFO Studies because it opened in 1973. Heineck had been there. 
They sent me a file, PDF file. In the middle of this PDF file is a one-page typewritten document stated October the 13th, 1973. And it, it actually asks both Parker and Nixon to disrobe down to their underwear. And they're given a, a check. They say they find, in inverted commas, puncture wounds on Charlie's arm, on his arm, his forearm, on, on, and on Calvin's foot. Now, Charlie reported that these creatures, when they grabbed him, he felt this prick. And, of course, Calvin said while he was inside this thing, took his shoes and socks off and stuck something under his foot and it hurt. And I thought, this, this is fascinating. But it mentioned some photographs, but there were no photos found anywhere. So I thanked uh, Mark Rodiger at QTHOS for sending me this stuff. About a year, maybe later, I got an email out of the blue from Mark. He said, Hi, Philip, I've been searching through some files today for something else. I wasn't looking for these. I assume you've got them, but I thought I'd send them anyway. And it was the photographs to go with the, that document. So you see these minor injuries on Charlie Hickson's forearm and on Calvin Parker's foot. And I said to Calvin, who did the examination of you, he said it was Dr. James Harder. And, uh, and he took the photographs. And so that's right from October the 13th. It's two days afterwards, so we have a, a physical element to it. We also spoke to uh, the, the police dispatcher who was on duty that night, and he's the one that took Charlie's call, by the way. He said he took over 50 reports of UFOs on the phone that night, and there were police uh, people in the police station, you know, reporting it in person. Unfortunately, that police station um, took the force of a, a hurricane in 1979, I believe it was. Uh, that was the end of any of the records there. But, you know, so these are all things that were contemporary. We have the secret tape. We have the the interview at Keesler Air Force Base the very next day. And everybody who was there is, is, is named, you know. Everybody's on it. And so I've had this question before, when does, when does testimony that's a few years down the line, when, when do you draw the line, line? You know, when is it no longer acceptable? Is it after one year? After 10 years? Is it after 20 years? Is it after 50 years? You know, because there was a project here done a few years back um, that set out to interview the last remaining soldiers that fought in World War I because they were all but gone. And their testimony would be lost forever. So they, you know, and the, uh, so I kind of look upon me in arena as doing that that same kind of thing. Although this is not a war, we're trying to document everybody's testimony as best we can and preserve it for posterity. And we've been like two little Yorkshire terriers, you know, especially Irene. She's a little Ohio terrier. Once she gets going, she won't let go. But. It's not for our book. You know, the book was never an idea. It just kind of materialised. It's to preserve what Calvin asked me to do, his legacy. He wanted to find out as much as he could. And I spoke to Calvin a week before he died. I told him he was respected. I told him I loved him as a friend. And I told him that we would carry the torch for him. And that's exactly what we are still doing. The book is called Beyond Reasonable Doubt. It's about the Pascagoula abduction. And all this follow-up material with Philip and Irina 
And Gene and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at teamg'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at teamg'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your Longevity business. Teamg'day.com. Teamg'day.com. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. 
Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Continuing with Philip and Irina trying to figure out all the stories around the Pascagoula, Mississippi UFO abduction from 1973. I remember that year well where things were quiet on the UFO front. Then I started seeing stuff on the wire service about sightings every which way. Quite fascinating. You mentioned the tape recordings. Philip, are these things that you could digitize and make available? They are digitized, yes, and they will be made available next year. Next year will probably be the last book I ever, ever write. And it is... Again, about Pascagoula, but it concentrates purely on the, the, the hypnosis transcripts. Currently, they're spread across four or five different books. So what I'm preparing to do is put them all in one publication. Won't be a huge rate tome. I've signed up with Darcy Weir, Darcy Weir to do a documentary about it. But then what I also want to do is to do the audiobook version. And rather than have someone narrate them, I will just say, here's the original recordings. You might need to boost the sound on a couple of them, you know, um, and and make them completely available on an audio book. Uh, you know, again, unedited, apart from the bit where the hypnosis takes you under the, puts you under the, the, the hypnotic trance or whatever you want to call it and brings you out, because that's totally boring. But uh, start from where the transcript starts. And go through. We tell the backstory, of course, you know, because we have to be, because not everybody knows as much as we do. So they might pick that book up for that's the first book they've ever heard about Pascagoula. So we have to tell the, a bit of the backstory and, and use some visuals as well. But it will be only on the hypnosis transcripts, you know, and um, and I, so you'll be able to hear them all as well. As simple as that, they'll all be there. And in the documentary, what, what I'm pretty sure we're going to do is because the last two hypnosis sessions with Calvin and Maria Blair were recorded on video. I hired a professional cameraman, so we'll see some footage of that as well as, as, as audio. And we've just had Maria uh, go on camera for an ordinary interview. No hypnosis, just sat there, tell us what happens, you know, we'll have a chat about it which we didn't have before, and we can, we'll preserve that for posterity as well, guys, you know, because what I'm going to do, the last, the last thing on my list is the items that now reside with um, Eddie Hickson. If we will loan them to us, even if they're just boxes of pictures with his dad and the kids, you know, it's, it's all important. We'll digitise them, we'll, we'll see what's on the videos, and if it's worth, we'll digitise them. I'm going to put them all on two separate hard drives. One will go to um, 
Irina. Uh, another will be deposited at the National UFO Historical Records Centre in Albuquerque. And they will then be preserved for posterity. And any updates we can send to Albuquerque and say, put this on the drive. Any, any updates, I can just do the same with Irina. You know, so it's not all residing here with me, and they'll be kept them forever. Going through the uh, book, you and uh, uh, Dr. Scott, I mean, you've you've you come across just some really uh, uh, fascinating accounts of UFO sightings around the very same period, and there is one that really stands out to me, and that is uh, the uh, encounters with uh, Hugh Jenkins of Hazelhurst, Mississippi, who mm -hmm. didn't just have one no. UFO encounter. He had a number. I think it five in total, Mr. Jenkins, and, and, and it's the same with the question we were asked, did they have any um, drawings? Well, Mr. Jenkins, I think he got his daughter to do five drawings. They don't always come across in the book because as great because they're in colour, but the book is produced in black and white, so you lose a bit of the contrast on it. But he had five sightings, you know, around the same time, and he's documented them all. And what, and what is interesting, of course, we interviewed Mr. Jenkins a few years back, and then when the documentary come on board... I was reading Mr. Jenkins' original contact with us, and he said he would speak to us, but he did not want to appear on television. So I asked him, would you go on the documentary? And he says, yes. So, you know, in that time period, it had a change of heart as well, because, again, he's getting to that age, where if I don't do this now, I probably won't get the opportunity again, you know? Uh, and we're very grateful for it. And I think in the documentary, they interviewed around about, 13 or 14 people for the documentary. That's including Calvin, uh, Eddie Hickson and Waynette uh, Parker. So there's there's a good dozen of the, the other witnesses. Sadly, Mrs. Blair wasn't available at the time, um, so she's not in the new documentary, but uh, she'll certainly be in the one next year, uh, all being well. So they've got a nice... A nice collection of things that nobody will have seen before because they've got a lot of visuals. We've we've also been saving archive material that we've located. For example, on October the 12th, so this is the day after, there's a journalist whose, whose name I lose, but he comes to Pascagoula looking for Charlie and Calvin. And of course, they're at the Singing River Hospital, which is the day after. So who do they... What, get to interview? Sheriff Fred Diamond. A nice interview with Sheriff Fred Diamond. He tells them everything that's going off. So we have that. So I transcribed it, put it in the book. Because it's, as Gene was saying, this is as it happened, right at the time. And, um, and you, you know, you can play it, of course, if you find it online, but it's it's there as well. Uh, and we've packed we've packed the um, the book with as many pictures and photographs, old and new, you know, we have to remember most of Calvin's stuff was lost in Hurricane Katrina. Newspaper articles from the time and some a bit, a bit nearer to now as well. But, you know, other things went on that we do have the documentation from the time period. And that was uh, the thing seen under the water, the USO just a couple of weeks later. And we have it all documented 
and one of those involved interviewed and on the record. Simple as that. Can you tell us uh, a little bit more about uh, uh, that particular uh, the case, the, the the USO? Because I actually remember um, it uh, it made uh, newspaper articles. Uh, Absolutely. I guess, I guess I guess an association with what you know what had happened uh, you know a few weeks earlier. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was November the sixth. You know, and um, there were three little skiffs went out. They were fishing at night. Um, I think it was two families, so there was nine people, and they were in the same stretch of water where Charlie and Calvin had been fishing, but just a bit further out, and they encountered this thing under the water it was circular it was illuminated um they got so close to it they could hit it with an arm it went clunk let us break here we'll learn about the thing the circular thing in the water okay with philip and irena and gene and tim you're in the paracast listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now for prices so low we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go and pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 802-341-4535-802-341-4535-802-341-4535. That's 802-341-4535. update. The war in Israel continues with word negotiations continue with Hamas terrorists to free 229 Israeli hostages kidnapped back on October 7th as terrorists slaughtered 1,400 Jews at a festival and at a kibbutz. The new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, speaking in Las Vegas Saturday night, telling members of the Republican Jewish coalition, There will be a ceasefire only when Hamas ceases to be a threat to Israel. To politics now. I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. Former Vice President Mike Pence dropping out of the race for president. In other news, Matthew Perry, who starred in the TV show Friends, has died at the age of 54. Police in Los Angeles say he drowned in the jacuzzi at his house following a two-hour game of pickleball. Laura Winters, USA News. Radio? Why should I advertise on radio? There's nothing to look at, no pictures. Listen, you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on TV. That'll be the day. All right, watch this. <clears throat> okay, people, and now when I give you the cue, I want the 700-foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into Lake Michigan, which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate. Then the Royal Canadian Air Force will fly overhead, towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry, which will be dropped into the whipped cream to the cheering of 25,000 extras. All right, cue the mountain. 
during extra ads. No, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a tremendous price war among the major term life companies. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years. For example, a man age 45 non-tobacco user. $1 million of coverage is only $75 per month, level for the next 10 years. Or a man age 50 non-tobacco user can buy a half million dollars of coverage for a monthly premium of only $110. Guaranteed not to change for the next 20 years. That's right, level rates for 20 years. And if you're a smoker we have great rates for you as well at the term lifeline we specialize in policies of a half million dollars and above so if you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance call right now for a free quote rates and availability may vary by state sample rate quotes are based on preferred not tobacco underwriting exam required to qualify 800-430-1891 800-430-1891 800-430-1891 that's 800-430-1891 this is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Return with us now to 1973. I'm doing that voice again. Philip Mantle <laughs> telling us about the circular thing in the water. Go ahead. Yeah, like I say, one of the boats got close enough with an oar and hit it, and it went clunk. The lights went out. They would appear somewhere else. So they played cat and mouse around the area with it. So they decided to go and report it in person to the Coast Guard. There was a Coast Guard station there. They went. The Coast Guard sent out a boat. They, too, saw it. They, too, hit it with a boat. And guess what? It still went clunk. Now, we have... All the official documents from this incident, no redactions, so everybody's named in it. Uh, we even have a handwritten, sorry, yeah, handwritten letter by one of the, um, the, 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 the lifeboat crew to um, a UFO researcher. And one of my colleagues said, you do know that all those witnesses, the f- I think he said the following day, were, uh, were interviewed. On tape, and it does say in these documents that there was a tape, but they were also lined up on the quayside and a photograph taken of them in colour. So, and he said, I think so and so's got a copy of that. So I emailed so and so, yeah, I've got a copy of Philip and sent us it, and there they all are. And what's good is on the back of the photograph is each, each person's name and their age. So, we use, again, we use social media, we put that on social media. And within literally a couple of hours, a lady had contacted me and said, I know them all, Philip, and they're all deceased apart from one. And I think he was some kind of in-law. I said, again, explained what we wanted to do. Can we speak to him? Yep. His name was Earl Ryan. And then over to my my colleague, Irina Scott. Irina, you, you interviewed Earl Ryan, did you not? Yes, I did. He was 16 at the time, and he was with his father, and they were the first people that saw it. And he said that they couldn't figure out what it was, and his father was sort of poking around, and then he hit it with the oar, 
and it had a metallic sound, so they thought it was metallic. He described it as um, looking like, like looking down at a parachute, as round, and he thought the light came from underneath, and it was sort of yellowish because he said that was because it was coming through the water. Well, they and the other people tried to figure out what it was, and nobody could figure out. They hadn't seen anything like it. So after a while, he and his father decided to go to some authorities, and so they went to the Coast Guard station, which took a while, and the Coast Guard officers came out in a bigger uh, boater ship, and they tried to figure out what it was. And so these were the authorities that the Coast Guard should know, uh, and they hit it, and <laughs> also it sounded metallic. And one of the Coast Guard people later wrote and said that the light was strange from it because he said that when they held an oar out over it, that the oar didn't make a shadow. It was like the light just went right through the oar. And sometimes the light would be dim. Sometimes if they bothered the thing, the light would go out. But sometimes it was really bright, too. And they, hadn't, they had no idea what it was. The Coast Guard had no idea what it was. But the Coast Guard took it very seriously, and the, he remembered exactly where it was, and he said he could take me out to it right then if I were there. It was very close to where the abduction took place. And um, what was interesting was is the abduction wasn't taken seriously, but the Coast Guard, uh, the USO, was taken very seriously. And there were all kinds of people that interviewed him and everything else. And people also mentioned that in the ship, the shipbuilding there, that they were using, they were making nuclear uh, submarines, I think. And that was secret from the public. And that came out too. And you'd think that would make uh, people take the abductions account more seriously too because of the... They're, they always say that UFOs seem to pay attention to nuclear facilities and uh, nuclear things. So that was interesting, too. And he remembered it quite well. Uh, and they were. this was thoroughly investigated and taken seriously. There, there were uh, newspapers that mocked it and everything. But in general, the authorities and the government took it seriously. And that's sort of like... Today, when they're talking about UFOs, well, the, like the TITAC object and all that, it was investigated actually by the Navy rather than the Air Force. And the Air Force had been investigating things for years and saying there's nothing to it, everybody's insane. Well, back then, there were USOs, and like with the TikTok object and all that today, the thing went down in the water. And the same thing with this other thing, he actually said that when the people, the Blairs, finished their episode, that they saw these things swimming across the water and said there may be some link between the USO and the UFO. And the Pascagoula area made the national news twice within a month because of the two sightings. So there were some interesting parallels with today. And um, 
with the authorities taking part of it seriously and not taking the other parts seriously when they should have taken both seriously, I think. One of the other things that I remember from the uh, Pascagoula incident, you know, and, and uh, the, the attention that got afterwards, that there were some uh, critics who said that, oh, it was all just a hoax, because supposedly, and I'm paraphrasing here from memory, there were surveillance cameras on the nearby bridge that supposedly were looking out over the area, and they didn't see anything. But then again, I have to question, what were the quality of, of uh, uh, surveillance cameras in 1973? Yeah, I, mean, I, I spoke to Calvin about this, and he said when the police went up there, one of the guys, the operators, they have, you know, because it was a toll bridge, he was asleep. And <laughs> and the cameras didn't point out to the river because they were monitoring the traffic on the bridge. So why would they be pointing out into the river? And what Calvin did for me, because obviously I've, I've never been in the area, I said, can you go over the bridge and photograph from the bridge the area where you were sitting that night? And he said, it's not easy to do, you know, because although it's close to the bridge, it's in an awkward position. You have to know where you're looking to see it. And and this was just funny. So Calvin said, yeah, I'll do that for you. So he took some photos and get there in the right, the bridge, you know, the pier has long since gone. It's all been tidied up now. It was a bit of a dump at the time. And there is someone sat under a brew umbrella fishing at the exact same spot, you know. So it's even being used today. But it's not an obvious place to be looking if you sat on the bridge wondering what the traffic's going to be coming up and down. And um, I, I have a newspaper cutting, and the, the, the bridge tender said, indeed, I saw nothing. Yeah, simple as that. But, you know, that doesn't surprise me because I've, I've, I've investigated other sightings where other local people said, well, I didn't see anything, you know. Mm. And, and so it's not, it's not unusual. It's not untypical for somebody to be sat there and you think, well, he must have seen it. And guess what? No, he didn't. And that happens in, we'll call it a crime. That happens in all crimes, you know. The guy at the bus stop, did you see that? No, I never saw anything, you know. And this is exactly the same because you... you I've worked night shifts. And, you know, my record, my night shift when I worked in a factory, I started at 7 p.m. and I finished at 7 a.m. the following morning. My record of going into work and starting at 7 o'clock for falling asleep was three minutes past seven. That's I lasted three minutes only. My two children had had me up during the day, so I got no sleep. And as soon as I got there on the night shift, I was out cold. We'll be out cold if we don't do this break. Believe me, <laughs> Philip, Irina, Gene, and Tim, you're in. Of the Paragast? Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. 
We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. It's obvious the unthinkable is happening. With all the recent media distractions, most folks never saw it coming. But a few did. Their guts told them something very wrong was going on. And now the headlines are proving them right. The people in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. Folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Get at least one for each family member. My Patriot Supply also sells biomass stoves, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, gravity-powered water filters, heirloom seeds, and survival gear that may come in handy soon. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. It's time to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard and Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com immediately. We're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. That's 800-670-0946. Hi, my name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast. So this is the final segment of our main show featuring Philip Mantle, Dr. Irina Scott, talking about their new book, Beyond Reasonable Doubt. 
the Pascagoula alien abduction, about a lot of cases also that occurred around the same time. And we'll also be back, both will also be back for our After the Paracast podcast, where we probe into these things further. Philip, I cut you off because we had to do a cold break or a hard break, depending on what kind of break you want. Go ahead, please. The bridge tenders did were interviewed and said, look, you know, I didn't see anything. You know, that in, its, in itself doesn't mean that and it, something didn't go off, you know. Like I said, from the bridge where the location was, whilst it's not an out-of-the-way location, from the bridge, it's a little bit awkward to see it. You know, the better vantage ground were from where Mr. Lee was across across the other side of the river and, and, and the Blairs, because they got all a, a wide. There's nothing, nothing in front of them. It's just the river. It's no big deal, you know. I mean, we also obtained the full research file, and I use the word research loosely, from the late Philip J. Class's archives, because he looked into it. And when you look at his so-called research, Calvin had gone by this time. He's just trying to find some dirt on Charlie. That's all he's trying to do. You can read it. He thinks, well, Charlie's got monetary problems, you know? So, okay, he's got monetary problems. He's going to dream up something like this. And what, he never made a dime. No, he'd just go down the bank, get another loan, or remortgage the house, or whatever. But he couldn't find any. He couldn't find any bud that he could make stick, simply because there wasn't any. Charlie wasn't the greatest financial advisor, shall I say, but that doesn't mean anything. There's a little story about that Calvin told me. He said, Charlie asked him, I don't know where this was or what year it was, to attend this TV place, not to go on camera, but just to meet up. And he said, I'm going on television with a scientist. So he said, oh, great, yeah. And he said, it's been arranged by a journalist and we'll have some dinner later. So he said, okay. So he goes along to this TV studio and there's been a fallout. You know, it's, it's now not going to happen. So Calvin's bewildered. So this journalist says, look, guy, let's go across the road for some, some forward and we'll see if we can sort it out. So Calvin says, by the time we get over there, Charlie and this, this scientist aren't even talking to each other. Of course, it wasn't a scientist. It was Philip Class. The journalist asks Philip Class, who had refused to go on television with Charlie Hickson, and he said, why did you refuse? He says, because Mr. Hickson is lying. Of course, Calvin sat there, and he thinks, well, if you're calling him a liar, you're calling me a liar, at the same time, because we're bolting this together. So I won't use the exact words that, that Calvin used, but uh, Calvin let it be known to Philip Class that if he ever called him a liar again, he would really regret it. And Calvin said, we both went home on the airplane that night with no dinner. <laughs> Basically, he said, I'll punch your lights out. You ever, you ever call me? I don't care, he said, if you don't believe me or if you don't believe charlie that's fine you can believe what you want but you ever call me a liar again it's a more colorful colorful mississippi language shall i say i'll punch your lights out and when you read through the class file which is on calvin's website by the way we put it on there there's no attempt at any investigation whatsoever so there you go but i don't think that there was ever a case that um Phil Class investigated that he didn't think that the uh, witnesses were all lying. Yeah. Oh, if he couldn't figure it out, you know, in one go, then it had to be a hoax. You know, that was his modus operandi. 
he always presented himself as a scientist, too, and he'd say, well, this is a scientific point of view. Well, he wasn't a scientist. He was a writer. But he would always insinuate that, that he was a scientist and that this was a logical thing, which wasn't yep. true. Yep. There you go. That's just another little side issue that happened. Forget the witnesses for a while. Just, just forget them for a while. We found out that this case had made its way into popular culture. For example, Fleetwood Mac, I think it was 1976, released a song called Hypnotized. And it's partly based on the Charlie and Calvin encounter. Rai, the film company, TV company, Rai, R-A-I, in Italy, made a two-part television movie about it called Extra. And I said to Calvin, do you know anything about this? He knew nothing. I have a copy of it here. I can't, I can't understand a word, of course, but it's all in Italian. I have an Italian friend who tells me it's very good. And um, when Calvin's first book came out, two local guys, Johnny Cobb, Johnny McCoy, wrote a song about it, Blackwater Blue Moon. A Scandinavian artist did a, did a techno track that uses a sample of, of Calvin Parker talking on it. And literally, just as we speak, there's been two gentlemen produced two brand new songs for the 50th anniversary. I can't remember the names, but the two songs are very, very different and very good. Kind of a piece of information here. The version of Fleetwood Mac that had this song hypnotized was the one before Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks joined the band. Yes, Christine McVie was there. Bob Welch was there. Yeah. Bob Wesson was there. But the people yeah. who made that band into a multiple million dollar success hadn't joined yet. But the song's yeah. still worth listening to. A lot of bands have done UFO kind of songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. One of my favorites, Cleveland's Clearwater Revival, did one. You know, yes. it's not their best. Yeah, it's okay. I wrote a story about uh, a British band called Hot Chocolate. They did a story, and it's called, you know, No Doubt About It, and it's about flying saucer landing. And Bert, it's based on a true encounter, not theirs. It was the gentleman who wrote the song who had the encounter, and Hot Chocolate recorded it. So they're not the first, no. Philip, Irina, we're about to wrap up, and you'll both be back for the After the Paracast podcast, but let's get this moving here. If anyone wants to know how to find the things you do and so many things that you do, Philip, where do we go? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm easy to find. Uh, you can also punch in flyingdispress.com, disc with a K. I have a little blog. So, you, again, you can find everything, all the latest books that are coming out and latest interviews and things like that. Irina, your, your website is? Yeah, I'm on Wiki. And irenascott.com, which is written with Irina Scott, one word. I'm also on Wikipedia under my name, Irina Scott. So if we want to find either of you, it's very easy. And Philip, by the way, we get a mailing from him at least a couple of times a week about the latest <laughs> books that he's published. And as you listeners to the Paracast know, many of those authors have been on the Paracast at least once. Yeah, I'm very grateful for it, gentlemen. And we'll send you the bill tomorrow. <laughs> okay, very good. Just to let our listeners know once again that the book is Beyond Reasonable Doubt, The Pascagoula Alien Abduction, 
It's over 400 pages of material. So there's a lot to go through and great writing from Philip and from Irina. You can find us if you check out X, not Marks the Spock, X like used to be Twitter, and Threads, <laughs> and also Facebook. You just have to look for the Paracast. Also, we offer branded merchandise for the show. We have four separate logos with Paracast on them. Pick the one you want. Pick the item you want, like a T-shirt. And that's it. Pick the size. By the way, the T-shirt's are available for small people and very, very large people, too. So you'll find what you want. Go to the Paracast.store or the Paracast.shop. We also offer the Paracast Plus, a streaming service. Special membership prices. You get this show without the network ads with better quality audio. Plus the exclusive after the Paracast podcast, which often contains extended discussions like we'll have with Philip Mantle and Irina Scott for this weekend. To learn more, go to the Paracast.plus. And by the way, if you use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, you get a 20% discount for a five-year subscription or a lifetime subscription to the Paracast.plus, the Paracast.plus. Irina Scott, Philip Mantle, thank you for joining us on The Paracast. Thank you. My pleasure. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. <laughs>